So, as I'm sure you can probably tell, I'm sick. I hear it. <coughs> yeah. Uh, I've got a little bit of a cold. We're back into the middle of winter in New York City, and I've got a cold. That's fun. I took some generic off-brand DayQuil before we started talking so that I wouldn't be coughing through the whole thing. But if I start getting loopy, just ignore me and go about your business. Yeah, it's no problem. I pl- I usually record these without even listening to what you're saying anyway, so it's fine. It shows. It really shows. <laughs> yeah. I'm the less professional half of the podcast. And to go hand in hand with that, I'm doing a time-honored New York tradition of when their weather is bad outside, I am going to get exceptionally drunk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to What's NXT, the podcast about our favorite wrestling show, NXT. I'm Tristan Marsh. I'm Alec Basio. I don't really have other bullshit to talk about this week. I have not been watching the main roster. Well, I actually did. I watched Raw. I watched Raw, too, and for the life of me, I can only remember about two things. What, the two Miz promos, except one of them was Roman Reigns? Yeah, basically. There are so many wrestlers on the main roster that I really love, but the show itself can't keep my attention. It's just a lot of, I don't know. When I watch Ring of Honor or NJPW, there are a lot of people on those rosters that I don't care about, but I really like the show they put on. SmackDown is the exact opposite. I love all these guys. They have such a storyline style of things, but they really just don't write anything cool. (laughs) They have a storyline way of presenting things, and they don't have good storylines. Yeah, it's like weird. We're on month eight of the Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan and Sammy and Kevin thing. Yeah, but they're downplaying that now. Because they didn't know where to go with it. I don't, yeah, it's weird. It's very weird. You're right, there's basically nothing going on. There's nothing going on. I guess that's probably my raw malaise. They they played the fucking Ronda Rousey recap like six times during that episode. Which cut all of her talking. That was... Oof. This is a much better way to do it. I mean, we can talk about her, I guess, later when we talk about Shayna's match, but, you know. No, we can talk about her right now. I don't like her. This is not really the right way to book up an MMA. I mean, this is moving into the right... Vain. Triple H is right there in the ring with her. He knows how Shayna does it. He should just do that because it's so much better. (laughs) But Shayna had time on the indies and time in training to actually become a fucking professional wrestler. Well, she's she's worked with what's his face, that cruiserweight guy. Brian Kendrick, I think. Yeah, they're relying on her as a celebrity so much. They want her to be her, which is a problem because they didn't give her a character. So she doesn't really have a character. And it's kind of lame. Versus Shayna, who, her character, you feel like she's spent hours just thinking about, like, every day, she's just like, maybe I'll put extra grease in my hair so when I pull that fucking thing out, it just sprays everywhere. <laughs> it, just makes, it just makes me even nastier. Like, I, you know. Production is always thinking about her character as well, whereas with Ronda Rousey, they're just going, hey, look, it's Ronda Rousey. This is going to make us a million dollars. I have some issues with 
her just as a person. If you're then saying, oh, it's just this person, then I go, great, don't care about her. I don't like yeah. some of the shit that she said. I no, no, am I mean, still I, kind I of pissed off that Piper's family gave her the go-ahead to use the gimmick. There's all this stuff that's tied up with her being Ronda Rousey. I don't like this trash person. Shayna Baszler is just an amazing performer. It helps that you don't know that much about her personal life. Except that she raises a cute pit bull. Well, yeah, okay, knowing <laughs> you, that's it. Ronda Rousey just needs to get, like, a fucking python snake or something and take cute pictures of it wearing a bow, and you'd be all over her. Getting a pet can help rehabilitate someone, but she said some truly awful shit. <laughs> if Leo Rush gets a parakeet, you're just gonna be all over him. Yeah, but Leo Rush was just being a dingbat. Since we talked about him, I did look up that other thing that people were criticizing him about, which was, like, his last big indie performance before going to WWE where he completely no sold getting power bombed off a ladder through a table. Yeah, I saw that. It was insulting. I do think that is really obnoxious. Allow me to take my me glasses off and put my cornet glasses on for this and just tell you you fucking killed the business because that's bullshit. That is bullshit. But that's a like 22 year old kid being a 22 year old kid this is our central problem because if ronda rousey the character ends up being awesome i'll i could i could overlook ronda rousey the person and then if i ever see ronda rousey on the street just be like yeah fuck you you said that nasty thing about trans people you can't do that and i respect you for that (laughs) i think that's good for some reason why getting power bombed into a table and immediately just rolling up to your feet is so offensive to me. It's ridiculous. <laughs> because that's in the character. That's like, oh, well, now your character's garbage. You're less offended by people being garbage and more by people disrespecting the art that is professional wrestling. I know, that makes me sound very shallow and terrible. I, I get that. And I should be voting with my dollar or whatever stupid, you know, sloganeering shit I should be saying. But I just can't, just can't get behind that kind of shit. It's just like, it's wrestling. It's all fake. It's all fun. I want to get sucked in. If Ronda Rousey can convince me that she's not actually a transphobic jerk in the ring, I'll like her. In the ring. Your biggest stumbling block for wrestlers (laughs) right now is wrestlers that believe the earth is flat. Because that's so absurd that that's definitely the character too, though, right? Like AJ Styles, the wrestler also believes that the earth is flat not just aj styles the person are you sure dude <sighs> flip gordon flip gordon i think is just a big fucking doof but the problem is with these indie guys you can't even tell what's a work and what's not like their twitter is like bullshit like they just use twitter to sell t-shirts so who the fuck knows flip gordon's business strategy <laughs> step one claim the earth is flat step two make fun of people making this saying the earth is flat Step three, ban everyone. (laughs) Step four, t-shirt. Step five, make money. Profit, right. Yeah, of course. T-shirt money. They all make that big t-shirt money, baby. Yeah, well, Flip Gordon has the pro-flat earth and the anti-flat earth t-shirt on pro wrestling season. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I have a very complicated, weird relationship with wrestling. I know Papa Shango didn't really light people's hands on fire, but I just... And I know he was also a jerk who like was who 
he, he pretended to be a pimp for like a million years, and then and then that was like not cool. But he just seems like a nice guy. The Funkadactyl, all that shit. It really disappoints you that he didn't actually set people's hands on fire, doesn't it? A little bit, because then magic is real. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have Harry Potter. I have Papa Shango. Okay, this is not going anywhere. I'm assuming you're cutting 89% of that, so... Well, like yeah. I said, there was nothing to talk about this week. I think everybody knows that by now. We've exhausted everything else. Braun Strowman didn't flip a truck or a plane or a whatever. Yeah. He didn't even flip that limo. I thought he was going to flip that limo. How about we get to the show? Yes, please. The show starts off this week, and we say it every time, but this is a perfect production package. It's a recap of Johnny Gargano's rivalry with Andrade Cien Almas. The best thing about this package is... It's got, like, swelling Superman music in the background. Up until Ciampa hits him with a crutch. So if you didn't watch the show last week, you probably think that he's champ right now. <laughs> this is what's so cool about these promo packages is that they actually really do work. I could show my roommates this and be like, look at what happened. And they actually figured it out instantly. They got all the build and they didn't have to watch six weeks of wrestling or listen to our show. <laughs> Their loss, right? <laughs> so it was actually pretty, I, it, it works really well. Watching this package, I realized... How fucked up it is. Gargano left NXT in Atlanta and not Full Sail. I, yeah, right? That was actually something that I'm surprised I didn't bring up last week. He's like family to half of these guys. Izzy and NXT guy are in the audience, but everybody else is new. I mean, they love him though. It shows how great he is because everybody loves him and they were all, thank you, Johnny, for six minutes. And they haven't like grown up watching this guy for a for a year or whatever. I mean, it is kind of fucked up to the diehards that had to stay back in Florida. The first taping they do back at Full Sail, there's going to be 20 minutes of just, we want Johnny. Yeah, they might get it. Give us Johnny. And they might get Johnny too, because he does have a few limited appearances to fill out before he's gone. Our first match is Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Bate. This is almost the exact opposite of last week's Dream match. This is so tight, so amazing. It it was a really great way to kick off the show. It was a beautiful match. It really draws a line under how tall Velveteen Dream is because he looks two feet taller than Tyler Bate. He's like carved out of marble. He's the perfect man. He's beautiful and tall. And muscular. Ugh. Everybody loves him. Michelangelo's dream. Yeah, basically. (laughs) They should do a thing where he does another say my name spot. That's like, what is his name? What's his name? His real name. And they produce a fake birth certificate. And his name is David. Uh And his dad's name is Michelangelo, right? Isn't that great? That's a good spot. (laughs) They'll do that when he gets to Raw or something. Because that's too stupid for an (laughs) XT. No, when he goes to the main roster, they're going to do what they always do and drop one of his two names. So he's either going to be called Dream or Velveteen. 
No, they'll just call him Velvet. <laughs> Velvet versus Elias. Oh, baby. I love it. <laughs> Velvet versus Elias is like BDSM and lingerie store. They could team together and they'd be Elias in Velvet. This is like Velveteen Dream's most scientific match I've ever seen him do. He's yeah. focusing on body parts. He keeps hitting Tyler Bates' lower back. Does a lot of technical and catch wrestling. A lot of holds. Stuff that we don't usually see Velveteen Dream do, but it's really fun to watch him work. It just goes to show like he can really work off of whoever his opponent is and just do their style with them but that doesn't mean that he wrestles solely tyler bates style we get a really amazing spine buster that tyler bates sells so well because the second he gets lifted off the ground he starts screaming you could tell he's trained by trent seven the other guy who can sell like a motherfucker (laughs) yeah (laughs) they teach him how to sell over there in england (laughs) Tyler Bate is a beautiful baby face. Everybody loves this kid. He walks out and does his cute little wave. Everybody's waving back at him. Everybody watches him wrestle. He's athletic. He's crazy. He's got the Tyler driver and the fucking the airplane spin and all this crazy moves that everybody loves. Velveteen Dream was so far over him in this match. It was insane. He is like the star right now. To NXT audience. I was so surprised to hear them go so hard for Dream. It was crazy. Me and the crowd don't always line up that well. (laughs) Obviously, Velveteen Dream is this big, charismatic, crazy, sexy guy. So I get why everybody's behind him. The other side of that is, for some reason, they've had... Tyler Bate take a number of losses in a row to the point where the commentary team is bringing it up. They're like, oh, he's been he's been losing recently and maybe he can turn it around now. If they gave him some solid wins, he could be a contender to take Gargano's place because he basically is British Gargano. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. He's a short, muscly guy, super handsome. He comes out instead of doing the scout from the top of the turnbuckle he does the wave yeah he's coming out everybody loves him but the second he's in a match against velveteen dream that's when they go oh he's fun but velveteen dream i mean come on yeah see he's more he's a little less earnest than gargano but he's more charming they need to give him some wins. part of it is not really his fault or their fault because they've been booking him with dunn so long and dunn has to be in charge i mean he's gotta win he does need he does need a couple of wins you're right about that but he'll get them i think they're using the british talent a lot let's talk a little bit about velveteen dream when he comes to the ring commentary says the word umbrage about 20 times no i wasn't keeping count but i just figured it was some moroism sneaking in so first he wants you to say his name and then he doesn't want you to say his name <laughs> Somebody's read word of the day. I'm going to slip this word in as many times as possible. It's at the bottom of the page that he's on in his Gary Larson far side calendar. (laughs) Umbrage. (laughs) But the thing that Velveteen Dream is taking bigger umbrage with is all of these fucking indie wrestlers. Yeah, what the fuck, guys? We talked about his 
tweet last week. Well, he has a follow-up. Should I read it for you? Go for it. He writes, Less than 24 hours after airing my grievances publicly and, quote, all capitals, they find a way to cover it up via an article. Two ellipses. That was slick. Brush things under the rug, right? Wrong. Entertainer empowerment. That's what I'm fighting for. Where's my merch? Where's my main event? Why was I left off the USA Network special? Grace yourselves for article number two. Shake my head. I hate independent wrestling. He is trying so hard to not be so over with these guys. (laughs) It's not working. We still love you. So Ricochet is showing up and kicking his ass, right? (laughs) Yes, but it's we're still going to love him after, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he lost his match with Aleister Black, and that didn't stop anything. Yeah, that's true. Winning and losing doesn't really matter for Velveteen Dream. But he beat Chris Hero. Chris Hero is independent wrestling's rapping daddy. <laughs> rap-loving daddy. Use rap-loving daddy. That sounds less stupid. You're really putting those beers away. Congratulations. No, Edit out all the times I open a can. I have told the people already, assuming that they're going to hear it, that because the weather is bad, you have to get really drunk. That's what happens. And come on. God damn it. (laughs) Independent wrestling. Velveteen Dream wins against Tyler Bate. So, Tyler Bate is still on a losing streak. Ooh, we didn't really say this, but Velveteen Dream kind of made him look not that great. Because he went for the airplane spin, and Dream was able to counter. Like, there was a lot of Dream really just killing his offense. Somebody at WWE was like, we want him to be the next Gargano, but he does too much goofy shit. What if we just have somebody show up and just bury his goofy shit? Because his holds and stuff, that looked great. His his chain wrestling, that looked great. It was only when he did shit like the airplane spin where Velveteen Dream was like, I'm not just going to lay on your shoulders for 15 minutes. For people like you and me, the goofy shit is what makes us love somebody. I'm trying so hard not to love goofy shit in wrestling because I'm trying to be all like, the job, the career, eh. Illusion, but you know, whatever. I that, that that's really it's fun to watch a guy spin around for like 15 minutes and they're both dizzy because because it's really a stupid move. Best friends are amazing, best friends are so amazing. <laughs> anyway, then we go into Paul Ellering. This was a fucking crazy promo. It's not a loading docs promo, no, it's way weirder than that. It's not a back room promo, no way. Back rooms are blase, it's the world's first basement promo. Yeah, but you're in the basement. It's very Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> it's it's disturbing. It's weird. And I feared for Paul Ellering every second of that promo. Because he's perched at the top of, <laughs> of the staircase. And I was so nervous that he was just going to tip forward and just fall all the way down and break every bone. At one point after Akam and Rezar show up, he slaps, I want to say Rezar, pretty hard on the shoulder and i was like oh don't do that 
What the fuck are you Don't trying to put too much lean into that slap? You'll fall over. I was thinking more of Razar. He's leaning over the handrail. I think one of Razar's legs weighs more than Paul Ellering's entire body. I don't think that he's going to get flipped over by getting smacked by Paul Ellering. Yeah, but we're talking about leverage. He's already leaning over the banister. I guess that could that could that could play a factor into it. But I mean, at that point, can I really buy into his character being so unspeakably huge then? They probably wouldn't have included that take. Yeah, they definitely wouldn't have included that take. We didn't see that take. That's why Razor had a busted lip, by the way. <laughs> Paul Ellering accidentally pushed him down the stairs. This was a really fun promo, though. I th- The angle was... Hold on, hold on. Worrisome? What? Oh, yeah, what? You're still laughing? <laughs> Paul Ellering has Munchausen's by proxy, and he starts pushing Aikam and Razor downstairs and are like... My poor boys, they're all beaten up, but I do what I need to do to take care of them because he wants the attention. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I'll believe it. That's a good storyline angle. You know what? Who the fuck needs Vince Russo? We both have beards. We both come up with stupid fucking soap opera stories. We, We could do that job. What is the story of Authors of Pain right now? Um... They're learning more English and getting ready to become really big tag team superstars on another brand. I mean, that's the meta story. <laughs> yeah, that's, but... that's the real story. But what's the story in the book of pain is what you're asking. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. A lot of tag teams right now are waiting for the Dusty Classic to start. And yeah. they're definitely in that like holding pattern. And a fun Paul Ellering gets Munchausen's by proxy storyline would be really killer. Yeah, but at what point do we stop watching NXT and at what point do we start watching Criminal Mind starring Mandy Patinkin? That's basically wrestling, right? Mandy Patinkin would be a great manager, actually. (laughs) Mandy Patinkin (laughs) would be a great wrestler. But think about uh, Mandy Patinkin, like, uh, Dead Like Me era. Hmm. Sure. Let's get in our time machine, Tristan, and go back and get Mandy Patinkin from, like, ten years ago to fucking do this. Let's go do that, Tristan. Jesus Christ. We get a clip of Johnny Wrestling. Yeah. He signs the paperwork. It's official. Moro wishes him good luck on his future endeavors. Future fucking endeavors. How meta is NXT right now? That's crazy. They're just joking on us. They're, they're healing on the fans. They're fucking with the marks. Because we know that this guy is not leaving WWE. Yeah, but NXT is the smart show, right? It's yeah, the like. No, I guess it is. Shit. It's the indie show. I think I got the wrong podcast. Shit. Can we do like an ECW podcast or something? (laughs) (laughs) Can you just talk about how awesome it is that New Jack staples his face? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Let's watch some Necro Butcher matches. Oh, God. No, I'm not going to do any of that shit. Daddy Regal tells him that he's still on the hook for his outstanding responsibilities. Yeah, so basically we'll see him at TakeOver. Thank God. At least he'll get one big-time match before 
He'll finally get a chance to stick his boot up Champa's ass, and then yeah, he'll disappear into the ether. We can only hope that's going to be the match. Well, we're feeling sad. Johnny Wrestling is gone. What's yeah. the best way to cure those blues? I think that we actually got a good way to cure those blues. It's an Adam Cole match, baby. Yeah, it certainly is. <laughs> because oh. two seconds later, you don't fucking care. Oh my god, I know. It's like sweet, sweet bliss. He's like a drug or something. He can get your mind off of anything. Match two, Adam Cole versus Cesar Bononi. It's Undisputed Era finally doing what they were fucking bored to do, baby. Oh my god. It's so awesome. Bobby Fish has learned from experience and now has a sleeveless t-shirt so that he can show off those guns. Uh, 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 the next time he goes to point at his muscles, I'm absolutely guaranteeing you there are going to be sleeves on that bitch again. <laughs> he only points to him when you can't see him? Exactly, because he is the most brilliant motherfucker. He knows it. You can tell that Adam Cole was just like, you know what? People fucking love the Bullet Club, right? They love the elite. We are going to do fucking elite spots on fucking TV for another company. Fuck you. I'm the best. Adam Cole, baby. But it isn't Bullet Club, it's like classic NWO bullshit. It is classic NWO bullshit, but in this case, the shirt was a blindfold. <laughs> I loved this. I loved this bit. I thought it was awesome. Cesar Bononi spends the entire match with a look on his face like a confused toddler. Oh man, because they got him so good. The match starts... And before anything happens, Adam Cole gets a mic. This is the most lethal weapon he's got. He has a live mic in the middle of a match. No, it's the beginning of a match, Tristan, and that's where it does the most damage. I love this guy. Ladies and gentlemen, do you realize who I'm in the ring with right now? Guys, guys. This is the NXT 2017 Future Star of the Year. Guys, guys, that's a big deal. I want everyone to give Cesar a really big round of applause. Everybody, like, confusedly claps in the audience. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> the only rising star belongs in Undisputed Era. And you think that he's going to, like, start a feud with him about being the rising star versus, hey, O'Reilly should be, or me, or Fish, you know? But instead... It's a peace offering. He throws Benoni a shirt. And Benoni is like, oh shit, I could be an Undisputed Era now? This is where I was so confused. Because if I'm Benoni, I take it right away. Because first off, let's look at Benoni's face. Benoni looks like a Star Trek villain. <laughs> Cesar Benoni has the pencil-thin goatee, an angular, muscular, fucking skull face of a brutal dictator in star trek original season he could make a good romulan he could be oh yeah no actually you're absolutely right he could be in any season of star trek he could be on any series it doesn't matter original series anything give him and an awkward bowl guy. cut and he would be <laughs> oh my god he'd be a perfect romulan you're absolutely right he'd be a great cardassian just fucking put a bunch of fucking clay on his neck i mean he doesn't look like he's a nasty guy but it's so easy for him to be a nasty guy. You know what I'm saying? He looks like a he lizard. He doesn't have to do work. So he could really be in Undisputed Era. And I actually thought for a second, they had me going. They worked me. Are you I was kidding like, me? No, I thought it would be a great idea. 
Wouldn't it be awesome if they just started pulling all these people? <laughs> I think okay. it'd be great. Okay. You don't like it? You don't like the idea of a big giant stable of jerk-offs? No. And fucking... I love it. Because one of I the things it. that makes Undisputed Era great is that they're exclusive. They never win, and they That's think true. that they're the best. Except they're tag champions. It would have been really fun to see, like, especially like Cesar Bononi, who has no mic time, no character, and maybe a stick figure on his butt. I still don't know what that is. It's like if he inscrutable. If he in there, listen, for the next takeover we go to, could we please get like first row seats so we could finally see what the fuck is on Cesar Bononi's ass? <laughs> Show us your ass, Cesar Bononi. Yeah, keep your fucking trunks on, though. I want to see what's on that. I mean, you could take them off, but then give them to me, because I really want to see what the fuck that is. Oh, I guess we should probably say that it was all a ruse, and that fucking Cole smacks him while he's contemplating the shirt, right? He not only smacks him while he's contemplating the shirt, Cesar Bononi goes down. He then does Adam Cole Bebe. Of course, you got to do that. Sure. But then he does the double hand self-clasped handshake over his two shoulders. Oh, yeah. He jerks himself off for about 15 minutes. Like he's a boxer that just won? <laughs> yeah. Because he just got the moral victory, Tristan. He finally turns back to Cesar Bononi just in time to get a boot to the front of his face. <laughs> it was really good. This is classic Adam Cole. You get a great plan. You do a great plan. And then you jerk yourself off over this plan. So long that the plan means nothing. That's the Panama City Playboy way. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's in the Panama City Playbook. Uh, <laughs> the rest of Undisputed Era finally helps him take out Cesar Bononi. He wins. They work over Cesar Bononi a little bit more while yelling, Only winners get to be in Undisputed Era. Well, he says only the best. Only the best. They don't actually call themselves winners so that they can lose and still be like, yeah, but we're still the best. It's super important because Adam Cole barely ever wins. <laughs> That's the important thing is just realize you don't have to win to be the best, Tristan. This is like what Undisputed Era should be doing 24-7. Adam Cole should have a undefeated streak that is linchpinned by fucking the stupidest tactics and having two guys beat up people while the ref's back is turned. I think that's solid. I think that's great. I mean, we saw how effective it was with, like, sanity. With guys that you really love, then you're just like, fuck, now I don't get a match? <laughs> they run in and beat people up looking tough, and the second they're running away, they're scampering away, like cats that just knocked over dishes they kind of watch out for each other but then they kind of don't <laughs> like they just run away and then they're kind of like oh we're a team though and then they, they run away like they'll help each other limp off but they'll run away from each other <laughs> okay let's try to wrap this up we've been talking about this i maybe i've you know i might have had a little too many my head is fucking swimming from that cough medicine uh we're in the same spot we're fine the street profits are back Hell yes. Kind of. Yeah, no, it's fine. They're fine. On the street, street talk segment. Yeah. Where they talk to very familiar looking strangers about who they think will win the Dusty Tag Team Classic. So how did you like this segment? I loved it. Really? I absolutely loved it. I totally loved it. 
This was awesome. I popped for this for real. I was laughing so loud. People came out and looked in the living room to see what the fuck I was laughing about. I thought this was great. Maybe I'm a dumb, dumb idiot. Because this is kind of a dumb, dumb idiot thing to laugh at. But I really enjoyed it. Montez Ford was amazing. Because he's great. Montez Ford actually changed his whole mannerisms. When Angelo Dawkins interviews, quote unquote, this stranger, quote unquote, on the street. Who is Montez Ford not even wearing a different, he's wearing his gear. He's wearing his sunglasses. Yes. (laughs) He's wearing everything. And Angelo Dawkins walks up to him and he puts on a boring dude voice. And at one point waves to somebody that he notices in the background. Hey man, what's your name? What's your name? I'm Pete from Alabama. Who is your pick? To win, I'm gonna have to go with the street. Oh, man! <laughs> I love that. He is just a boring guy. That was excellent. Angelo Dawkins is just Angelo Dawkins. <laughs> yeah, but he's like Darnell Washington or whatever, and he says that he's got to give it to Street Profits as well. Yo, Montez Ford. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm Darnell Washington. Oh, Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington. Mr. Washington. Oh, yeah. Well, as you know, Darnell Washington, he's watched NXT a lot, and he has to go with those Street Profits. He's basically the same character that he is when he's in Street Profits. He's not trying to pretend. Montez Ford is bringing stuff to this character, Alec. Yeah. No, I get it. We talked last week about method acting. But the problem was with Dawkins, we, the bar is a little bit lower because there hasn't been that in the past. And when you've said Angelo Dawkins is Angelo Dawkins, I agree with you. But the thing is, that's because there wasn't really much of an Angelo Dawkins character other than wearing like 16 headbands. Not having had Street Profits on the show for, it feels like, two months now. That's true. It feels like a while. It's been a while and... After not seeing him for so long, I know that they're about to be in the Dusty Tag Team Classic. I could have really used a quick squash match to be like, oh yeah, that's why I like these guys. Because I like their street talk shit. Yeah, I love their street talk shit. If they're usually on the show. But this didn't stand on its own for me. I think they don't have confidence with them outside of Full Sail. Because street talk is always hype as shit. In Full Sail, because everybody loves them. And they have crazy squash matches that are great because everybody buys into them at Full Sail. Now they're in Atlanta, and I think that the idea is the guys behind the scenes are not so confident in them outside of Full Sail. They're pretty universal. They're just so ridiculous and hype. They're going to get people everywhere. They get me. That is not my kind of wrestling, and they still get me in their corners. It makes me kind of double down on them a little bit more because I'm just like, no, I'm not in full sale and I like these guys. And I think most people who aren't in full sale, they're going to like these guys because they're ridiculous and they're fun. And maybe they're not going to be champions and maybe that's cool, but they're going to be great. And I think they're going to go over everywhere. Last match of the night. It's a barn burner. Mm. Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler in a rematch from the Final of the Mae Young Classic. This was a great match. You could tell that they were putting a lot behind it because even though this match had only been built for about a week or two and this match has no titles or anything on the line, 
It had its own package. Got to see all the highlights, including Dakota Kai's arm bending crazily. I do have a theory that WWE is currently creating a golden record to send into space that consists almost entirely of this footage. (laughs) Because we see it so often. It needs to be preserved somehow. Yeah, we need to keep it forever. It's got to be some sort of analog medium. I'm hoping that Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler kind of becomes one of those forever rivalries. A rivalry like that, that never too. gets put to bed and just kind of always is simmering. And if you don't know what to do with Shayna Baszler or Kyrie Sane, you go, and eh, maybe one of the other ones shows up and beats the crap out, you know? I love that idea because it's so interesting because they're so different, but they really do mesh that way. The end of the Mae Young was great, and Kyrie Sane came out of it, and this ended with a tap out. Kyrie Sane tapped out to Shayna Baszler, and both of those seem plausible. Kyrie usually uses the insane elbow to finish things off. Anchor drop. Hmm. Oh, yeah, that's totally right. I'm so sorry. I, I forgot our own fucking lore. I forgot our Stroh's lore. It's drop anchor. You're totally right. Yeah. She uses the drop anchor to win, which is her elbow. And uh, Shayna is typically going to go for a submission finish. We're preserving some pretty old time heel face dynamics that I actually found really cool. I'm a little nervous that new school indie dudes. I'm not saying I'm old school. I'm saying I'm drawn to the old school, but I'm definitely not a long-time fan. People can tell. I don't do research. I'm not smart like that. Newer school fans are going to get nervous when they see a face that they really like tap out to a submission move. I think that does not make the face look weak. That starts bringing up some of the old school heel face dynamic. Heel wants to win with a submission move because it's kind of like, oh, fuck that. It's not cool. It doesn't make people go, oh, wow, look at that crazy move. Can you believe that? It gives you wrestling blue balls. It basically does. It's exactly that. Shayna is so crazy good at that, that when you see her doing this submission finish on Kyrie, she makes it look inescapable. So you can't look down on Kyrie for tapping because you can't get out. She's too far away from the rope. She can't do anything. At the same time, it's also such a shitty way for somebody to win in a sport sport where people are expecting you to just drive someone through the ring and just completely annihilate them. It kind of sets up Kyrie more as a hero. Her goofy stuff, yeah, it was goofy, but people were really digging her a lot more than even earlier in her run so far. I had a little bit of a problem with the crowd reaction. Really? Early on, everybody is chanting for Kyrie Sane. Shayna Baszler is a fucking asshole. Yeah. And they've been doing a really good job of building her as a unlikable heel. I've talked a lot on this podcast about how much I love Almas. I like some heels that I feel like I can identify with, even though they're heels. Shayna Baszler is just an abject shithead. And so we get a yeah. lot of Kyrie Sane chants. About halfway through. You start getting Shayna Baszler chants, and I was a little annoyed with that, guys. That, I think, is that fucking audience, though. We can all agree that Shayna Baszler is putting in great work, but don't chant for her. She's a fucking shithead. Aren't these the same guys that were like, let's go jobber like three weeks ago or two weeks ago? 
So it's like, come on, you you gotta expect some of it is the audience. Oh, everybody likes Kyrie Sane. I like Shayna Baszler because she does good work. And it's like, well, yeah, I like Shayna Baszler because she does good work too. But if I was at a show, I would be like... That's exactly it. Because we can talk how much we love Shayna Baszler, especially when we're comparing her to like Ronda Rousey or somebody all we want. But if I'm in that arena, are you fucking kidding me? I'm not cheering for fucking Shayna Baszler. Are you kidding me? I'm throwing a soda at her head. She's such an asshole. I'll talk her up all day long on a podcast because the podcast is supposed to be like on... I'm jerking myself off of Ralph Smartham about wrestling. Not like, I'm not going to fucking cheer for her. Are you kidding me? She is still the best because she taps out Kyrie Sane and then jumps out of the ring and delivers a promo. No mic, oh. just yelling at the top of her lungs at the commentary table. Shane, as she evens the score. from Shayna Baszler, and I think, unfortunately for Ember Moon, they may be true words as well. Ember won't challenge me. Ember will never challenge me. She's completely ignoring the fact that the last time that they fought was because Ember challenged her. It's like, it's it's awesome. It's true heel work. It's 100% great. It's the kind of shit I'd be yelling at her over the banister, like, from all the way in the 14th row or something. Fuck you! She did challenge you! She also delivers a line that I think 70% of the other wrestlers on the NXT roster probably couldn't have pulled off. Ember knows if she enters the ring with me, I'm either leaving with her title or a limb. Oh. And then she stomps off. And Nigel, of course, immediately is like, she's kind of got a point. <laughs> it's so good. It's a really great thing to say. It's the kind of thing where I heard it and I said... She's so good. Yeah. Because if it was me, I'd say, I'm either going to win or I'm going to get a limb. And that would be horrifying. That rhymes too much. That's bad. I know. That's basically Teddy Long. Yeah, that's frightening. <laughs> Part of it is just like her schoolyard bully voice. Like, just the way she can talk like a little kid who's taking your shit. I liked when she pulled her mouthpiece out so she could yell at the commentators and like she spit it and there was like a little bit of drool. And then was, after she's done, to go backstage, she puts it back in. She's awesome. She's really great. What if she trips on those stairs? <laughs> she's so great. They hit gold with Shayna Baszler. Time to wrap it up. Yeah. With... An amazing Zelina Vega Andrade Almas promo. Oh, this was really good. This was amazing. It starts just with the commentary team. Two of the brightest smiles in NXT belong to the NXT champion Andrade Cien Almas and his business associate Zelina Vega and why not, guys? That is so brilliant. Because everybody is booing them. And the commentary table is talking about how happy they are. In every single one of his promo photographs, Andrade Almas is holding the belt and just has 
Ah, the biggest smile. He's such a happy man. Yeah, he's definitely like a reverse heel. If you're behind him, you're behind him because he's a face to you. Last week, I had a dream about Almas. You are a huge fucking mark. The dream was weirdly basically this promo. The only difference is he came out dressed like Antonio Banderas in Desperado. Wow. Yeah. So you are, you're a Mark who uh, takes mescaline. (laughs) (laughs) And Zelina Vega is walking behind him. And of course, every single step, she's like, you're the champ. You're the best. Yes. Pointing at him constantly. He's one of the best workers too. I mean, like there's everything about him. He's got everything going for him. So like, if you like him, he's your face. He gets into the ring and Zelina Vega Reiterate something that she said a long time ago. She says, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the greatest champion in NXT history, Andrade Cien Almas. Uh-oh, I'm losing him. Time for the A material. Might be right. It's been a while. I mean, you know, I don't know. He's Mr. 4 and O. He's definitely Mr. 4 and O. Holy shit. That's great. This is like the best twist the knife pump your guy at the same time promo. <laughs> His promo is awesome. <laughs> he calls him, he calls Gargano, I made him Johnny Jobless. Johnny, talk about becoming. You know wrestling? A guy? And make him Johnny Jobless. <laughs> People are booing him. A little girl in the audience is holding her ears with her hands like she can't even listen. Her feet are up on the seat. It's amazing. The idea that she's necessary for him is wrong. I think you're right about that. I think that they're symbiotic. They're definitely symbiotic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Johnny, you you talk about earning their respect. Who cares about their respect? Who cares? You know what Andrade earns? Money. Fame. Power. One of my favorite lines of hers in this whole thing is she goes, You all thought that Johnny was going to win. Johnny thought he was going to win. He brought his family, his friends, his wife, only to watch him lose. I, I mean, she's fucking amazing. But the idea, but the thing is, he really is. He really is so powerful of like, a charismatic figure. He doesn't really need her. He, he's he got her, and she's great, and don't get rid of her. I'm not saying get rid of her. I will say, I didn't like the swipe she took at Candace. Yeah, but you know what? I think that it's kind of setting up maybe a potential feud where she's going to start getting in the ring. I understand that that's the case. The problem is, she goes, I'm not feeding off of my man's success. And I didn't like that because WWE put... Candice LeRae in a Miss Johnny wrestling shirt. I think she was trying to drum up heel heat. 
Because she was saying, unlike most of you ladies. And I think she was talking to, like, people watching. But I, but I see what you're saying. I'm still kind of burned by the fact that WWE put Candice LeRae in a Miss Johnny Wrestling shirt. And I felt like they like doing that where they, like, make somebody dress trampy and then have somebody else call them out for dressing trampy. And I'm like, come on. What the no, fuck? I hear you entirely because I get it. Listen, if I was booking it, you'd love this because this is the way I do it. You wouldn't see a Mrs. Johnny Wrestling shirt until after Candice LeRae's match where Johnny Wrestling would come out with a Mr. Candice LeRae shirt. Then you'd see a Mrs. Johnny Wrestling shirt. Then you'd be happy about it because there's not centuries of oppression or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Instead, it's, oh, fun, we could do this. Because I would definitely still do that. Because, by the way, let me just bring up a bring up something. There are female wrestling fans. There are. And there's a lot of them. They're growing. How many of them do you think would want to wear a Mrs. Johnny wrestling shirt? A whole shitload. That guy's cute and he's got a package. All right? So, listen. You got to sell that damn shirt, Tristan. It all gets back to the shirt money. That's exactly it. T-shirt money is the whole thing. Listen, watch End of the Century. Watch the greatest documentary ever made, End of the Century, the Ramones documentary, which I watch every year at Christmas Eve, where you will find out that the Ramones have had tons of disputes, including they've lost band members over T-shirt money. T-shirt money. It's what makes the world go round. And I'll tell you right now, I am not. And I don't care how chauvinistic it is. I am not getting rid of a Miss Johnny Wrestling t-shirt money. I'm not getting rid of that idea. Because I want to make that money. But you gotta have a Mr. Candlestick. Are you now possessed by Vincent K. McMahon? (laughs) I'm not giving up that t-shirt money. I'd be an okay protege. Not a great one. I'm no hunter. I'll tell you that right now. But... I'd be all right. <laughs> back to uh, this promo. Right. Back to reality. Oh, there goes, there goes gravity. Very good. <laughs> you were, we're good friends. Some more great moments from Zelina Vega. She says that what Almas did against Johnny Wrestling in baseball, they call that a clean sweep. She says clean sweep. And Alma starts miming, sweeping the ring, and then fans start chanting. That's exactly what it was, yeah. Oh, it's not just a clean sweep. It's a fucking Bullet Club chant. She's over with the Smarks. Because they go, clean sweep, whoop, whoop, clean sweep, whoop, whoop. They do the fucking, they do the fucking Marty shit. He's super over with fucking indie jack-off Smarks. So that's awesome. Half the time he's over, but the other half of the time, they are doing a good job at building heat for him. At one point, he goes, He come at me again, and again, and again, and again, and lost. <laughs> because he'll hear like everyone in NXT, that I am El Idolo. And everybody starts booing. 
Oh, yeah. You got what chance when he kept saying again? Because they were trying to make fun of the way he was saying again. Because there's a bunch of assholes in the, in the audience. Oh, yeah. A bunch of racists. Fuck those guys. But anybody who gets what chance is super over with me. <laughs> of course. Right up there with Alexa Bliss, who at this point, I just like her because she gets what chance. There was one good what promo, and it was the original one. And then the next time people started yelling what, it was over. Yeah, fuck you guys. What? Fuck you. What? Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you guys. I hate that shit. Finally, Zelina Vega asks the most important question in the world. If they call him Johnny Wrestling, what do they call you? To which Almas responds, Muñeca. They call me. I love it. I love it. And they have to call him that because it's true. He's got the belt, baby. (laughs) That's exactly it. This was actually a really good way to get me not feeling so fucking salty about Gargano leaving. Yeah, because it proves like, oh, yeah, the belt is where it should be. Oh, yeah. This is definitely where the belt should be. You can keep it on almost forever. It's great. I'm riding a million miles high right now. I'm so happy. And then Alistair Black comes out and completely ruins the moment for me. (laughs) Well, luckily, they're almost out of the ring entirely. They're like walking backstage. Before he comes out. But then it's even more infathomable to me. Like, just put this at the beginning of the next episode. I don't I don't care. I yeah, no, I know. It does it's not very effective, especially when everything plays out. Because Alistair is also interrupted. <laughs> we got an interruption inside your interruption. interruption Alistair Black comes out with a mic, and he yeah. takes a million years to get to the ring, and he brings the mic to his mouth. And then, up oh, pan flute, it's Killian Dane. You get interrupted, you get cut off by a flute, you feel like a fucking asshole, don't you? There are these repeated cuts back to the entrance ramp, where Vega and Almas keep looking at them, not like, oh no, this is a threat, but just like, what's going on? Who are these people? Why are we out here? We should just leave. I actually, oh, I loved the way that this was built, because it, it still made Amos look strong, and it made Vega look, like, fucking haughty as hell. They're out there talking shit to each other, and Vega's in there looking, laughing at them, and Andrade's looking at them like, what the fuck? Who are these weird, <laughs> weird people? Look at these two weird, giant beard motherfuckers over here. Fuck these guys. I like Aleister Black, but... No, I like him, too. This was a very I- awkward insertion into a very good promo, in my view. But the best moment after he came out was Killian Dane grumbling at him. You're in my path. And then he hits him with the crossbody and then stands over him and then goes, but not anymore. No, he did not hit him with a crossbody. Tristan, come on. You're on the same page as everybody else here. He hits him with the divide, right? The divide. Get on the stupid train with everyone else. It's the divide now. 
I would be okay with them calling it the divide if he had a follow-up power move that they called the conquer so that they could do, oh, the divide and conquer. Like, that would be cool. No. No? Not even that? I don't think it's cool no matter what. I think it would be cool if they called a move the divide and then maybe, like, he had a canyon or something. I don't know. Canyon? What? Yeah, because the divide is, like, a canyon. It leads in. No, there's no, nothing that's, you can do to make it That's stupider than work. my idea. It is, but I'm trying to make it work. He hits a crossbody and then yeah. rolls it into like an Alabama slam, and they call that the divide and conquer. Yeah, okay, that works if he's like Roman-themed or like some other stupid weird shit. I mean, that doesn't work, because it's stupid. Killian Dane is cool. <laughs> he's not stupid. <laughs> It just doesn't work. It works if he's like fucking Disco Inferno or fucking the Blue Meanie or something. Well, that's when it works. Um, Divide and Conquer works if it's best friends, if it's tag team. Let's talk a little bit just very quickly about the weirdest thing about this whole end sequence with its ups and its downs is it caps off an entire episode where Champa is not seen or mentioned. I'll have to correct you there, Tristan. Champa is seen three fucking times in the intro. <laughs> the intro is now all Champa and Almas. There's no Gargano anymore in the intro. These are the only two guys you need to care about. But I hope to God that fucking Lars Sullivan is still in it. I really miss Lars Sullivan. That's like what was going on with the Street Profits, where he just disappeared. I, th I think he's in the intro still, though. We gotta put his face on the side of a milk carton. Yeah. No, you know what? Put his pastoral tattoo on the side of a milk carton. <laughs> If you've seen a man that's 6'8 and 290 pounds with this tattoo. And he most definitely cannot be on the cover of a men's fitness magazine. Please call Alec Bashia. Perhaps you may be able to help solve a mystery. <laughs> yeah, because I'm really nervous about him. I mean, I would just want to make sure he's okay. I'm actually starting to mark out for this motherfucker. I really like... The shadow that Champa is casting across the show right now. I'm so excited. I like that he's not on it. Obviously, they push that too far and I'll forget about him and not care. But he's in the intro three times. And he's also, to be fair, in the opening package that they build about Gargano. We get another shot of him doing the Beverly Hillbillies wave goodbye. Don't come back now, dear. To Gargano. Oh, yeah. uh, with that fucking trusty crutch on his shoulder. How much do you want to bet that even after he's not wearing the leg brace and he's just wrestling all the time, he just has a fucking crutch? He's so great because he's basically appeared on NXT proper 10 minutes over the past year, and he is the thing you're thinking about constantly. Yeah. Also... Because of how bulky he's gotten, he looks like Braun Strowman mini-me. He's so 
fucking shredded. He's like just a shrunk down version of Braun Strowman. Whatever he's going to do, it's just going to tear shit apart. I wonder if it's not a good idea to just like get kayfabe injured like every fucking six months or whatever so you can go get fucking shredded as hell. (laughs) This guy looks amazing. I mean, before he looked like he was made out of fucking bridge cables or whatever. Now he looks like he's made out of like slabs of fucking bridge cable meat. You said exactly the same thing last week. Yeah, but this time I said meat. <laughs> you said meaty cables last week. It was the- Did I say meaty cables last <laughs> yes. week? I've had a lot of beer. I've had many tall boys of beer. But I will tell you, how about this? Audience, my sentiment has not changed. This guy looks fantastic. How long do you think they can keep him off TV? I don't think they could keep him off much longer because we're getting legit blue balls for this dude. I think he's got to come back for TakeOver. And I think it's got to be him and and Gargano. I think he's going to come back for TakeOver. But do you think that they could keep him off for the, like, what, four weeks until then? Absolutely. I think it's a terrible idea for them not to keep him off that long. Maybe he can cut a promo or something, but he cannot get into the ring. In two or three weeks... He shows up and he cuts another one of those promos like that promo right after he turned on Gargano where he's just like, I know you guys want me to come out here and tell you what's going on, but fuck off. I don't care. And that's when Regal is like, okay, one last match. I almost feel like it's got to be a video package. I don't want him live in the ring talking on the mic. I I almost really want to keep him completely out of the ring. Like I just want that mojo. I just want that, like, tension building up. And I want him to just be announced, oh, it's going to be Gargano and Ciampa. And I just want that. Give it give it the comeback. appropriate level of anger, paranoia, and loneliness. And have it be like those weird dudes who cut vlogs in their car. Oh, yeah. Because, well, he's so good at self-promo. Like, He's so good at internet-based self-promo. His Twitter is evidence of that. He's fantastic. He tweeted that the WWE shop reached out to him about selling his Blackheart t-shirt, stating that they have received, quote, a record number of requests from fans worldwide. I told them, no. Fans? The same fans that wanted to replace me? I will never forget. I, he's so great at self-promo. That is such a good example. Because people will fucking mark out for that shit. People will really get mad at him about that shit. I like these two heel promos because at the core, it's, I don't give a shit about the fans. I'm doing this for me. And, oh, the fans like me now? Well, Eight months ago, when I injured my knee, they were going to replace me, so fuck off. I don't know. I just, I feel like he's so heel right now, but so real heel. He's got that real heat. People fucking hate his guts. I, I love it. And you know what? I would too. You heard me. I'm a mark for Gargano against my will, but still. I have to appreciate Ciampa. He's amazing. I 
I'm really excited to see where they go with him because he's just been building. It feels like he's been building every second. It feels like it's like one of those montage modes. It feels like Cape Fear where he's De Niro doing crunches or whatever the fuck De Niro was doing, like just waiting until that point where he can get back and murder people. The two most effective heels at being true heels right now are Champa and Cody because both of them just exude i want to kick your ass but i know i can't you know i swear to god cody's nipples get harder when he hears japanese fans booing at him i think it's visual and i think champa is the exact same way he's amazing even if you like heels they're fucking horrible yeah at best all you can do is respect them but not love them you can never love them. The great thing about Almas is you can kind of like him. He's a very likable dude. He's just an asshole. Yeah, he's not 100% healed. There's no way. Because Almas, to a certain mindset, Almas is a face. And if he's a face to you, he's a face, like, all the way. I feel like there are certain people who are like, he is taking back what he should have. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's you. Yeah, exactly. I was about to say, that's you, though. <laughs> I definitely do feel that way. He's not repulsive. You can argue that he deserves everything that he's getting. Champa is acting like a horrible, horrible person. Champa is deriving pleasures from seeing the suffering of the people he wants to suffer. Yeah. And the he people that really he once sick. loved. He once lived with both of them. I love it. A little a little vignette of him uh, driving by their house late at night, and then it cuts to them finding their dog dead, and they're like, how, how could this happen? I know. I, I probably write it, but I don't think I'd do it. <laughs> Just because I think that you get in a lot of trouble. Somebody would be but, like, you know kids watch this sometimes, right? Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you don't want to lose money. Yeah, you need to sell them t-shirts. You really need to sell those t-shirts. <laughs> in a way, look, if I had like more money and it was old times, I'd be a fucking promoter. I'd be one of these assholes. You hear, you listen to Killing the Town, you listen to whatever, you hear all these things. There are guys that have wrestling schools where they don't teach you anything and they sell you fucking Hot Pockets that they microwave in a microwave that they own for like $15. That would be me. <laughs> so you're just a con oh. man. Basically, yes. That's been this episode of What's NXT. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. Please like and review us. It would make us ever so happy. You can also contact us at What's NXT pod at gmail.com. I have a podcast. It's called Under the Tokyo Tower, and it's a Sailor Moon podcast. Listening to me for as long as you have, dear listener, you know that I'm very deeply interested in Sailor Moon because it's basically wrestling. 
but for 10-year-old girls in Japan. I have been doing this podcast for over a year at this point, and we've just finished our first season with 46 episodes. I encourage you to go catch up on the first season. The first 10 or so episodes, we really didn't know what we were doing, so the audio sounds like shit. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing some bonus apps that you guys are going to hear and going to have a good time before we start Sailor Moon R, which is our next season. You can always find Under the Tokyo Tower at MidnightZero.nyc. And I do want to remind everybody who listens to this podcast that MidnightZero.nyc is a great place to find What's NXT as well. And you can comment on episode postings and also get involved in discussions. We do that for Under the Tokyo Tower. We're really interested in doing that as well for What's NXT. So if you're involved, if you're that kind of person... I really would encourage you to go check it out. Midnight Zero about NYC. Well, sorry if this episode has been a little loopier than most. I can barely focus on what I'm doing. And I have been not helpful in the slightest. Not at all. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, uh... What was I going to say? I... Oh, um, please do tune in next week to find out what's next. What's NXT? Chickada, chickada, chickada. Awesome. Okay. <laughs>